Please listen carefully. And welcome in, everyone. You're listening to the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hurd. Today, it's just going to be me. Just going to be talking um, a couple of subjects. First, going to be talking about my Tigers. going to be talking Clemson football. First time ever on the podcast. Uh, I wanted to sort of expand and switch things up. I've watched. I've always watched college football. I've I've always, um, I've started watching the NBA the last few years. But college football is always my bread and butter. Um, and as some of you know, some of you may know, but I graduated from Clemson last spring, so I've been there since 2015. Um, I'm a pretty big Clemson football fan, I would say. So I'm gonna be talking about them on the podcast. Uh, I'm gonna be talking about them a lot today. I'm gonna be talking about them a lot going forward. But today, I am going to be talking about their win this weekend over the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville was 4-2. and two. They were looking pretty good after beating previously undefeated Wake Forest. Um, unfortunately for Louisville, they lost this game. Clemson won 45-10. Not the most... I don't really know how to phrase this. I would say Clemson did not – it was not an A game for them. It was like a B minus, you know. Like, I don't know. They they played pretty well, but it was really – so there were a couple of drives, which I, I'm going to go sort of uh, in a detailed look at the game. Um, there were a couple of drives that really um, – overwhelmed Louisville's team and looked like the years in the past, especially last year's team. Once Trevor Lawrence took over just with the explosive plays, um, namely led by ETN and uh, Travis ETN and Justin Ross in this game. But there were a lot of drives that just looked shaky. Not only the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, which I know a lot of the blame falls to him, and certainly some of it is deserved, but there's just been some miscommunication overall in the offense. That's all right. I'll work on it. Um, but eventually you got to figure it out. We are seven games into the season. This is two games in a row that I've kind of described as weirdly unsatisfying wins. These are games that Florida State, we won by a similar margin. It was... It was um, I don't have the score in front of me, but maybe 40-something 40, 40 to 14. Florida State played pretty well, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I would say, to be fair, Florida State, uh, similar to Louisville, played pretty good games. They, they played pretty well. But at the same time, Clemson has expectations higher than ever before given that they came off of a national championship last year, not just a national championship, but a national championship led by a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback, and a guy that led them to a 15-0 and season. 15-0, and not a single loss all season. There were high expectations, for sure. 
And to be fair, we haven't lost yet. But you got to uh, you you have to think about it in terms of how does this translate to the playoffs. This is something I talk about. This is something that any uh, NBA analyst would talk about. How does this play really translate to the playoffs? If you're some guy that's just chucking shots at a 40% clip, you're probably not going to translate at a very effective rate. In a similar manner, if your offense consists of some guy who is incredible, but is just one guy, in this case our running back, Travis Etienne, which obviously we have many more offensive weapons, but at times... At times, it's looked like ETN is the only real explosive weapon we have. At times. Just because the passing offense is predicated on the quarterback distributing. It's a much more complex thing to complete a pass than it is to hand off a, a hand the ball off and run the ball. But at times ETN has looked like the only explosive player on the field. And there's only so much of an impact that a running back can have. A lot of it's predicated on his blocking, which our offensive line has looked good. But, and again, I, I'm sort of going on at this point. We're gonna talk, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Um, but the the game, and I don't want to discredit what we did. But the game was 17 to three at halftime. It was 10 to three um, before our drive with a minute to go, where we scored. It it was not the dominant game that it. 45 to 10 final score may indicate. That's all I'm saying. Next, unfortunately, going to have to talk about this injury. The injury to Zion Williamson, new New Orleans Pelicans. <sighs> Sad to see. It, it, it had been reported that Zion um, had suffered a it's some sort of knee um it, it was some sort of knee injury he was going to be out for what was quoted as a period of weeks unfortunately it looks like it was not just some non trivial it looks like it was not a trivial knee injury it was a torn meniscus this is really unfortunate um Zion will be out 6 to 8 weeks is the projected timeline but I would not be surprised if it goes more eight to ten weeks with how limited he's or, or how slow the team has been to introduce him back in how cautious they've been combined with the the history of Zion's knee injuries that we now see I'll talk about that later as well but this is not the first knee injury Zion has had though it is the first um, that has required surgery if i um, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's, it's worth, it's worth discussing. Uh, it's unfortunate. Hopefully this is not going to hinder his career long term, but there's been a lot of concern about injuries given his very unique, um, build, how heavy he is at his size. It's not a concern that I, I I ever really had, but it, it's it's one that I it makes sense to me, so I I have a hard time dispelling it, and I especially now that he's torn his meniscus, it's one that I think you have to give credit to. So I'll talk about that a little bit. And at the end, 
I'm going to try to do a little mid-season review of Clemson's football team. going to try to just go through and um, talk about like what I expected at the beginning of the season, what trends that I saw coming have come to fruition, what I sort of saw coming that hasn't happened, and some stuff that I wasn't even considering that came out of the blue. Um, mainly I'll be talking about players that filled into roles, but maybe a couple overall themes as well. And that'll pretty much cap the episode. So, uh, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the show. Too complex. Too complex. Much too complex. Too complex. Too, too, too complex. All right, and moving on to the Clemson versus Louisville football game from this weekend. Um, I'm going to go a little bit in-depth, sort of quarter by quarter, looking at how the game went. First quarter, as I mentioned, was kind of a struggle for both offenses. When I say kind of a struggle, I mean both quarterbacks had two turnovers in the first quarter, which is not good. Um Louisville's quarterback threw an interception to Clemson safety Kayvon Wallace on the first drive of the game, while Clemson's Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions on their second and third drives of the game, uh, Clemson's second and third drives of the game. Uh, Louisville's quarterback also gave up a sack fumble to Clemson defensive end Justin Foster uh, during the first quarter. However, despite all of these turnovers, there were only three points scored, which is kind of what happens when there are four turnovers in a quarter because that's a lot of turnovers and they're too busy turning the ball over to actually score, apparently. So, uh, you know, I actually, so I did actually want to point out, um, it very easily could have been three turnovers for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, our punt returner, Darion Kendrick, who is now a cornerback after converting to a wide receiver after coming to Clemson last year. Uh, he played wide receiver as a true freshman, uh, after converting from a quarterback, which he played in high school. Uh, at South Point High here in South Carolina. So, uh, interesting player. He was a five-star recruit, really, really great um, great athlete, really interesting talent. He's started at cornerback, along, cornerback alongside A.J. Terrell, uh, who's a junior who will likely be going to the NFL this year. I would imagine will be a second or third round pick, if not higher, depending on how he performs. Um, Darion has looked pretty good. He has certainly been targeted more than Terrell, but has not been particularly picked on, I would say. Um, he has had a couple of times where he has been targeted successfully, and has had a, tar- a couple of times where his emotions have flared up. He's the one guy on the team that still has those sort of emotional outbursts occasionally. Um, but he did have a what could have been a very costly mistake early in this game. Um, before Clemson's second drive, so the, after the third drive of the game, Louisville punted to Darion. Darion received the punt at around the five-yard line. 
and proceeded to bobble it in his best juggler impression, which was pretty spot on, but unfortunately sent the ball into the end zone. Um, Me and my dad kind of figured even if Clemson recovered it in the end zone, it was going to be a safety, but it turned out. uh, So Clemson's true freshman receiver, hopefully he's not going to get converted to a cornerback next year. Am I right? Uh, but uh, true freshman receiver out of California, Folsom, California, Joe Angata was able to recover the ball in the end zone, uh, which re- uh, resulted in a touchback for Clemson. That was nice because Travis Etienne, the running back that I mentioned earlier, busted off a 48-yard run, uh, and we were able to kick a field goal to go up 3-0, uh, scoring the only three points of the quarter, as I mentioned. So it was definitely important that we got those three points. Um, and it was very important that Darion did not fumble the ball to the other team. Uh, and a, a, a play very similar, eerily similar to the one against Notre Dame last year in the, the playoff semifinal round. So, Going into the second quarter, score is 3-0. Clemson is up. Clemson had just ended the quarter with an interception by quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Louisville, fortunately, got nothing. Um, Eventually was stuffed on a fourth and one by the Clemson defense. Clemson comes back with a first a 61-yard Catch and run by Amari Rogers. Amari, an incredible guy, an incredible receiver, and a guy with an incredible story now. Um, Amari came back from an ACL injury after about five and a half months. I'm going to talk about him later on in the episode in the midseason rundown because he's been big, one of the biggest stories of this season. Um, but it, 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 again, just great to see him not just coming back and being on the field, but making huge impact plays like this one here that put Clemson inside the red zone after a couple more plays. Trevor Lawrence was able to find true again. I mentioned him earlier recovering the fumble by Darion Kendrick, true freshman wide receiver out of Folsom, California, Joe Angata, catches the first touchdown of the game, puts seven on the board for Clemson. Great catch by him. I was really impressed. There were two freshman receivers coming into the season that were uh, very highly touted. Joe Angata out of Folsom, California, as I have said, and Frank Ladson out of Miami, Florida. Both have looked really good, but Angata has been the one that has made Real impact plays in the um, competitive portion of games. Really, he's caught a couple of real impactful touchdowns for the team, and this was certainly one of them. Was glad to see him make this type of play. Um, a, a very athletic play, of just if, if, if a sign of things to come, I would certainly imagine. Um, Louisville answered with a field goal. So, score is now 10 to 3. 
We get to one minute, five seconds left in the first half. Clemson follows up with this series in a classic two-minute drill. Well, in this case, a half a two-minute drill. Uh, 14-yard reception to Amari Rogers. 16-yard reception to Travis Etienne. 22-yard reception to Justin Ross in completion. Touchdown to the aforementioned Justin You Got Rost Ross. Uh, great, um, incredible leaping acrobatic catch. If you haven't seen it, you probably weren't watching SportsCenter Top 10 because I'm sure it was on there. Uh, go find it on ESPN. Go find it on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there everywhere. It was a phenomenal catch. It'll be one on his uh, draft day highlight reel. Love to see it. Again, a huge touchdown. Puts us up 17-3 to at the half. 17-3, to such a more daunting lead than 10-3 to when going up against what is such a dominant Clemson defense. Yeah, just a pretty impressive way to cap out the second quarter. Um, the Clemson offense just looked much more competent this quarter, much more explosive. Again, the 61-yarder by Amari Rodgers. The last drive of the first half. It was really the last drive of the first half. It really just, we've seen drives like that before. Just the bang, bang, bang. Just run down the field. Uh, the, actually, if, if you remember, um, those of y'all that are college football fans will remember the 2016 National Championship, the first that we won versus Alabama. Um, the last series of the game. There, it was just a bang, bang, bang series because it was a time crunch at the end of the game. Jordan Leggett made plays. Mike Williams made plays. Of course, quarter, quarterback Deshaun Watson was making incredible plays. That's what was necessary to set up the touchdown at the end. That quick, rapid fire. Every play is not just getting yards, but getting 15 to 20 yards. Just big play after big play. And when you have that many big play talents, you can pull that off. And we saw with Clemson, they have some lineups that have just... So so imagine this lineup. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Joe Angata, Amari Rogers, Travis Etienne. What do you do with that? It's the equivalent... For those of you who don't watch college football, of the death lineup of the Warriors. There's no place to exploit. It's like in 16 when Draymond was shooting 40% from three. It's like, what the hell do I do? Like, you can't you can't leave Draymond because he's going to shoot 40, 40% from three. Like, what, are you going to not cover ETN out in the flat? Like, do you do you just like not, you, you just like giving up touchdowns? Like, that's that's just, yeah, I mean, if, if your defense is designed to st- seed touchdowns then you should leave etn in the flat otherwise you have to cover everyone everyone is a threat that means you can't double team justin ross and t higgins consistently and if you aren't double teaming justin ross and t higgins consistently they are going to beat their man and trevor's going to hit them every time and if you want to double team them and you want to cover every receiver you're just never gonna blitz ever you just can't blitz, in which case our offensive line, which is made up of a bunch of competent seniors, uh, actually competent's not the right word, uh, 
really good seniors is just going to hold your defensive line off for a good 10, 15 seconds before Justin Ross does some backyard shit, calls for the ball in the end zone, and runs back and does like a double backflip, like a double handspring, like a damn cheerleader, jumps up 40 inches and grabs that shit. That's what's going to happen. It's it's just the lineup we have out there, the talent we have, it is game-breaking, and it's truly amazing to see. We've seen it a little bit with Alabama, uh, and uh, a little bit's not fair. We've seen it with Alabama, to be sure, but I, I think Clemson may just have a little more depth. Um, plus, I'm just biased as shit, so that's, you know, that's going to factor into that evaluation. So, 17-3 to going into halftime. You know, Dabo's got to be happy. Um, that first quarter was a bit of a struggle, but just ending with that great one-minute drive in the first half makes it all worth it in my mind. All right, so second half. I'm just going to go second half as a whole. Uh, things got pretty out of hand pretty quickly. I don't really need to talk about it that much. Um, first Louisville possession coming out of the uh, halftime break <laughs> was actually that uh, stuff on fourth and down that I, uh, fourth down and one that I mentioned earlier. So uh, scratch that from earlier, copy and paste that here. Uh, but that did happen. It did exist. Uh, after that, ETN busted off a 49-yard rushing touchdown. On the second play of the following drive, at that point, scores 24-3. to um, Not quite garbage time, but close to garbage time. Um, we saw further touchdowns scored by Cornell Powell, Chez Malusi, Chez, and the first career touchdown for uh, running back Darian Rencher. So congrats to him. Uh, it was awesome to see all the players get so excited for uh, Darian Rencher. Uh, yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun. His only rush of the game uh, broke it in for a touchdown. It was good to see. Um, but as I said, the game pretty quickly dissolved. Uh, ended up 45-10 to 10 after being 10-3 to 3 with a minute left to go in the first half. Um Clemson obviously played well to secure this victory, but there were flaws, to be sure. Um, as for my key insights, though, mostly stuck with positives. I mean, I covered the first quarter. You saw, you, you, you sort of get an idea of what happened. There were turnovers. Didn't capitalize on possessions. Our guys make plays. We, we win games. Our defense looked fantastic. Um, uh, as for my first key insight, uh, Travis, Travis Etienne. Tra- Etienne looked really good. E- Etienne's obviously a pretty household name at this point in the college football landscape. Uh, placed in the Heisman voting last year. Got a few Heisman votes, which was nice to see. I believe they were all fifth place votes, but still good to see him being recognized. He broke 
off two near 50-yard rushes for touchdown in this game. Both big impact plays. Um, he had, I believe, about 180 yards this game. Just a really big impact player. It's what, it's what you expect from ETN. He's just a, an, an incredibly explosive athlete on a field with some of the most explosive athletes in the country. He still stands out. Um, and I would say he also really stands out in that picture that ESPN and all these channels keep using of him from his freshman year when he still looks like a thumb. Why are you still using the pictures where this man looks like a thumb? That's not cool. What are you doing? He's grown now. That was like three years ago. He got like dreads now. He looks cool. Get a new picture of Travis Etienne. Please. Just update it. God. Or just like put no image found. That would be better than what you're showing him. It's not nice. It's mean. I'm not making fun of him. They're making fun of him. Actually, uh, one of my my roommate last year, uh, Dean, was trying to get a ride to campus. <laughs> just, I, I, I feel like this story sounds made up, but my roommate just is the type of guy where I know this was true. He was just trying to get a ride to campus. Um, we had a bus where our neighborhood was, and he was late for the bus. So he just sort of like held up his thumb like a hitchhiking thing. Someone stopped and picked him up. Um, and he's just riding to school with this guy and he sort of asks him what his name is. Uh, so actually, sorry, he, he, he noticed this dude had like a Clemson football backpack or like Clemson athletics or whatever. He was like, Oh, it would just, what sport do you play? He's like, I play football. He's like, Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Like what, what, uh, you, what position do you play? You been playing any? He's like, yeah, I play running back. Like, yeah, I, I, I play some this year. He's like, yeah, how you been? You've you been good this year. It's like, uh, yeah, I've had, I've had a pretty good season. I've been all right. He's like, uh, what's your name? I'm like, he's like Travis. My roommate uh, did not understand this was Travis Etienne until he told me this story, and I told him, yeah, that's Travis Etienne. Uh, Travis, <laughs> Travis, yeah, Tra- Travis is not short for Scott. That's that's Etienne, boy. That's Etienne. Like the letters, E-T-N. That's our chant for him, for y'all that aren't familiar. Uh, we, we, have, we have shirts that say, run E-T-N. It's terrible. It's terrible. Only, only in the Deep South would you do some corny-ass shit like that. But uh, it, it is great, though. We also have Dabo Brent 2020 shirts, which, to be fair, it couldn't possibly be worse. Brent Venables would be a phenomenal vice president. Uh, you wouldn't even need to pay so, uh, Secret Service to protect him. He would be protecting Dabo. He's a scary guy. In a good way, though. Um, more insights, though. I, I want to tie in to ETN's big game. The offensive line has looked really good for a second week in a row. Against UNC, they had a lot of penalties. A lot of mistakes. Um, John Simpson, uh, are, I believe he's the left guard for the most part. A guy I've met before, a super, super, like, I don't want to say nice guy. Like, he's, he just seems like a good, really good person. 
Um, but clearly, like he um, he he, str- he struggled with penalties in the UNC game. Um, he has looked a lot better the last couple of games. In general, the whole offensive line has looked a lot better. Not only just limiting penalties because you can anyone can limit penalties. You just like don't like just lay down on the fucking floor and you limit your penalties. But they've limited their penalties and mistakes while still making big plays in the run game. Anytime a running back has a huge game, you know the offensive line played a huge part in it. Almost any time. Unless the dude's just like catching passes. I don't know. <laughs> like you, A running back has to get through the offensive line. It's one of the more dependent positions in the game. Um, so shout out to that offensive line. Jackson Carmen on the left tackle, Tremaine on the right tackle, Cervanka right guard, Pollard, Sean Pollard center. It's an experienced group, a veteran group. They've looked really good. They've looked really good. Justin Ross, again, had an awesome game. He has not had quite the production he had in years past. I believe he has more catches than T. Higgins, but has about... 150 or so fewer yards. He has around 330 or so yards, which as a true sophomore receiver on one of the best teams in America does not sound bad, but given his breakout last year, averaging over 100 yards per game um, in both the semifinal and the national championship game, had a few touchdowns. I believe I saw it in a article that it was pretty undoubtedly the best one-year playoff stretch by any receiver in the playoff history, which obviously only dates back six or so years. But still, pretty impressive for a true freshman. He hasn't quite produced at that level that you might expect. Not really on him, though. A lot of Clemson's system is getting young guys in, getting a lot of reps, spreading the ball around, and I believe, to an extent, trying to keep the offense simple in games that they know they can win and try to hide what they're going to really uh so so hide not just a couple of plays up their sleeves but a couple of schemes up their sleeves like they're not just disguising like a one statue of liberty trick play to run at the end of a game they're disguising entire packages they're probably running in practice but just not doing in games very often or at all because they don't want it on film yet. They don't have to put it on film yet because of how smart these guys are. Um, But Justin Ross had a big game this game, obviously. The one leaping touchdown he had was incredible. Just looked like the old Justin Ross, which it's not that he hasn't looked like that, just he hasn't been showcased as much. Um, And the offense has struggled to a bit of an extent. Uh, to a lesser extent, I want to give a shout out to Joe Angata, freshman receiver, had that nice touchdown, only a few yards, uh, out from the end zone, but he got into the back of the end zone, made a really nice catch. Trevor made a really nice throw. Uh, it was good to see. And obviously that play on special teams, hustling back and recovering the fumble was massive early in the game. So shout out to him. Shout out to both of them. Now on the defensive side. The defensive MVP of this game 
is probably Isaiah Simmons because it almost always is. He's so incredible. But I'm going to say it's Justin Foster. Justin Foster had an awesome game, had 3.5 tackles for loss, which included two sacks, one of them being a sack fumble, which I mentioned earlier, early in the game. Um, he, he just looked awesome. He looked so disruptive on the sack fumble. He was able to get his hand, he was able to get his hands on the running back trying to block him, blow him by, and then just a split second later, his hands were already on the quarterback, wrapping him up, allowing him to get the quarterback in time to knock the ball out before he had started his throwing motion. It was a very impressive sequence. He's just very disruptive all game. Impressive, so much so that we never really even noticed that Xavier Thomas was gone. Xavier Thomas is our second best defensive player on defense. Uh, our, our our second best defensive player. He was out due to. Uh, he was out. He was in the concussion protocol. He was a guy that was, I believe, the number three overall consensus recruit. Um, two years ago in Trevor Lawrence's class. This is Xavier Thomas, if you've watched any Clemson football games, is a phenomenal talent. Um, could easily be a top five or more than likely a top 10 NFL pick next year when he is eligible. Um, not this coming draft, but the draft after. Didn't even really notice he was gone. Justin Foster played that well. The defensive line was disruptive. The secondary was crushing Simmons looked as always dominant defense looked really good and Justin Foster was sort of the anchor in that respect he was the guy that just kept wreaking havoc that has usually been Xavier Thomas um, in past years that was a combination of Cleveland Farrell could occasionally be uh, Austin Bryant or one of the two big guys Wilkins was always a Threat to get into the backfield with how quick his release was. Um, just an impressive showing, though, by the defense. Love to see it. Um, last insight. Not really an insight. More of just a inquiry. Uh, what the hell, Andrew Booth? Why? What, what the hell? What? I. Hard to really know what to say with this one. Um, true freshman cornerback, Andrew Booth was on special teams, running with a guy. Things got a little physical. Um, he ended up pushing the guy to the ground, and while he was on the ground, uh, punched the guy in the face. So he was ejected from the game. Goddamn disgraceful. I, I've, I personally, I, 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 don't, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I've never really seen anything like this um, in my few years of really, really passionately watching Clemson football. Um, this just doesn't really happen around here. So disappointing as hell to see. I'm sure it'll be suspended for a few games. I said during the game, if it was me, just suspended for the year. He's clearly not ready. The true freshman, he'll figure it out, hopefully. All the, all the reporting is that he's a really nice guy. Um, actually, at the spring game... I um, saw him. I didn't even, I wasn't aware who he was yet. My dad was somewhat aware 
uh, sort of pointed it out, and we looked him up later, and it was clearly him, but he was a very nice guy. Like, someone sort of yelled something out to him, and he said something really nice back. Uh, but this was just, I don't know if it was just a horrible heat-of-the-moment mistake or if it was something worse. It's hor- it's, it's tough to see, though. Um, hopefully he can recover from this. <laughs> but I, I, I would imagine there's going to be a hefty penalty. Um, he's not going to be playing in a game anytime soon. So those are my key insights. That's the Clemson game, Clemson football. Y'all are now caught up. I'll be doing a little midseason review uh, after I talk about the Zion injury, so stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and get into the unfortunate Zion talk. Too complex. Too complex. Much too complex. All right, so given that it makes absolutely no sense for me to go Clemson football talk and then talk about Zion injuring himself and then talk more Clemson football, I'm going to just go ahead and put the two Clemson football things back to back. So my transitions are going to make no sense, but I think that's worthwhile. Uh, that's, that's probably going to be worth it in the end. So now is actually going to be me talking about uh, Clemson and doing a little midseason review. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about just some of the stuff that has stood out to me uh, as sort of surprising stuff that might have uh, surpassed or just sort of, you know, things that were not expected at the beginning of the year. So I would say the defining storyline so far of the year, I mentioned him earlier, it has to be Amari Rogers coming back from injury. This dude injured himself. He tore his ACL in spring practice. Five and a half months later, came back. He played in the second game of Clemson's season after tearing his ACL in spring practice. According to his father, T. Martin, who's a former star quarterback at Tennessee, i.e. the other star quarterback at Tennessee, he, um, Amari Rogers, was jogging after less than three months of injuring his ACL. It's truly incredible. I really just don't know of any other stories like it. Amari has not just come back to the team, but has been one of the most productive receivers we have. Amari, as I mentioned, had this last game a phenomenal reception of 61 yards in which he caught the ball and sort of just sprinted down, beat a couple arm tackles, broke it, safety tackled him, but... There's only so much you can do. He's had a couple other great plays like that. He had one 80-plus yard catch near the line of scrimmage and dashed out the sideline for a touchdown in, I believe, his third game back where he had he's had a total of three touchdowns coming back, over 200 yards. It's a, as I've mentioned, a crowded, crowded receiver line. So it's impressive to even get that many looks. But Amari is just such an awesome talent, such a phenomenal talent. I'm sure he'll get looks high in the draft. And he could comfortably fall into the third round. He could easily be taken higher. He's literally just a better Hunter Renfro. Maybe not quite the same hands. 
but Amari still, <laughs> Amari might be a little bit better of an athlete. I will say that much. Um, next up, true freshman defensive tackle out of Apopco, Florida, Tyler Davis. Tyler Davis has stood out not only as a the starting nose tackle in Clemson's new 3-4 look, but as the superstar of Clemson's vlog, Tyler Davis on the jet ski is one of my favorite mental images and something that gets me going in the morning. It allows me to get out of bed knowing that Tyler Davis was going 15 miles per hour on the jet ski and having the time of his life. He's always smiling. He looks like the type of guy that would tackle you and break three of your bones and then help you up and kind of be like, hey, what's up, dude? And like dap you up. He looks like the greatest, just most amazing. Like he's the dude that you just have in the room and everything's like five times more funny just because he's in there. I imagine he laughs at every joke, no matter how bad it is, just because he thinks it's funny. I know I do that. That's a trade I look for in people. Not to mention, Tyler Davis is a phenomenal football player. He has made a huge impact as our defensive tackle, wreaking havoc in the run game with his, I don't know how to say this, size. Uh, he's a very wide guy, not necessarily a heavy, more of a wide frame uh, takes up a lot of space. It's just difficult to get around him. Very quick for his size as well. Uh, very quick reaction time. Good at open space as well. He will, trace, he will chase down screens and be the one to actually make the tackle. He has looked very impressive. The comparison I have heard um, is a sort of worse version of, and of course is a very high standard to set, but Aaron Donald um, where he's a, a, a sort, sort of uh, nose tackle or defensive tackle that has more of a quick power game than a big power game, i.e. the Vince Wilfork types, um, which has been more what we've had in Clemson. That's not fair. Um, moving on, though, the good, again, Joe Angata. And I also want to mention Frank Ladson, two True freshman receivers, both highly touted, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll come in and make a huge impact. There have been very few receivers in Clemson's history, or at least modern history under Dabo, to really come in and make a quick impact in their freshman year. Justin Ross last year, of course, and even that took most of the season for him to actually get into the playing rotation. And then Sammy Watkins who was taken fourth overall in the draft and now plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. These two freshman receivers have both looked really good. Angata, as I mentioned, has made more plays in competitive time that has really helped the Clemson team. But Ladson has had a couple phenomenal highlight plays just in more garbage time situations. I'm incredibly excited to see what these two guys can do in the future, though. They've proven a lot in terms of potential. The comparisons you can draw between Angata and Ladson as a pair and T and Ross will be 
a lot of fun when T and Ross are gone. T will be draft eligible this year. Ross the year after. Those two guys, very excited about. Both have a ton of talent. Both could easily be first-round draft selections. I want to I mention that. Um, it'll be fun to compare the two to the older guys just because the older guys were there first. They were the originals. But these two guys could easily go higher in the draft or just be all around more talented receivers than T. Higgins and Justin Ross. Uh, very high bar to set, but they have already accomplished quite a bit in their short tenure in a, as I've mentioned already a couple of times, very crowded wide receiver group. Next one I wanted to shout out, the senior secondary. The seniors have looked really good, that being Tanner Muse, fifth-year senior. You got Kayvon Wallace, senior. Nolan Turner, who is a redshirt junior. You also got um, at cornerback. Uh, so, actually, Isaiah Simmons actually plays a lot of safety. I sort of think of him as a linebacker still, but he has been playing a lot of safety. So, Isaiah Simmons the junior, uh, and then at cornerback, A.J. Terrell, the junior, and Darion Kendrick, the young one of the group who is a sophomore. These guys have just been really good, especially the four safeties. Venables has used some very unconventional looks with a lot of safeties on the field. They've just been dominant in coverage. It's been amazing to see. It, in, included in that, I want to give a shout-out to middle linebacker James Skalski, who until this year hardly played but has stepped into a starting role this year and been a really good leader of the defense. The middle linebacker, uh, Skalski, as the middle linebacker, is in charge of communicating most of the plays to his teammates. He's done a great job of that. He's also been an effective pass rusher, which is not something I would have expected. Um, there was one play in this game where he just screamed into the quarterback. It was incredible. But he was just sprinting, and I assumed it was someone else until we replayed it. I was like, no, that's not Scalzi. That's someone else. And we rewinded it, and it was, it was his number, 47. It, very impressive showing by him all year. He has... Um, Really done a good job stepping in at a position we assumed would be a pretty stark weakness, or at least I did. Um, last couple I want to shout out just quickly. Justin Foster, as I mentioned, uh, really had a breakout game this game. Uh, but he's looked good overall all season. Um, this was really his breakout game, though. The offensive line, I also mentioned them. Uh, John Tremaine. Uh, Jackson, all those guys are having a really good season. Struggled in the UNC game, but outside of that, they've looked really good. Uh, and Lynn J. Dixon, our second running back who has permanently, uh, not permanently, but he has certainly solidified the second string running back role. Uh, impressive to see. Lynn J. has looked good. He has looked really good in the past blocking game which is something that is very important to see. Uh, especially Etienne has improved in that a lot, but still struggles to some extent as a pass blocker um, and even to some extent as a pass catcher. If Lin Jay can shore up um, third down situations to an extent 
and at the very least just keep giving ETN a consistent breather without a drop in production, it'll be good. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's great from a second string running back. So shout out to Lin Jay um, and his flip over the line from last game. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, the one bad thing, it's not even really a bad thing. It's just like negative or so, something I kind of expected that hasn't panned out. That's how I'll put it. Um, sort of expected uh, at least one of the Clemson guys to be pretty strongly in the Heisman race. There's definitely some concern that they might cancel each other out. And I would say that has certainly happened. Um, they've also struggled to an extent. They just haven't, um, in the meat of the game, the first half, they haven't put up a lot of points. That's just simple as that. They haven't put up a lot of stats. It's been more into the second half. And at that point, if you're putting up a lot of points in the second half, you'll go ahead and put your subs in. It's a lot easier to let your team run up the score in the first half than the second half with the starters in. So Travis Etienne might be on the fringes of the conversation after this game. Trevor Lawrence is just not really in the discussion at this point. He's, I mean, he's been good, and he's still absolutely good enough to win us a championship. Um, and he would still go number one overall if the, he was draft eligible this year. But he's been in kind of a funk this year. He's been fine for the team. He's been good on, like, an overall team level, um, mostly because the team is just good enough to recover. We don't, we don't need him to be phenomenal. But for his own personal... I want to be the best that I can be sort of, I don't know, just for his own personal reputation. It's kind of too bad because, so I would say Trevor has more talent than he has shown. He could be playing better than he has. He's shown more talent in the past than he's displayed this season. We'll see if he can continue to improve throughout the season. I'm sure he will. Um, but, but so far he just hasn't really been performing to the level that we may have expected. Uh, it's fine though. Um, that's about it. I have to say on this though, uh, outside of my plug to the Clemson transfers, uh, who are also not having the best of seasons, uh, Kelly B absolutely having the best out of all of them. I love me some Kelly B. Uh, I'll tell my Kelly B stories sometime, but Last year, my senior year, I lived right across from Kelly B, uh, at least for the first sem- first semester. Uh, so during the football season, when he, to an extent, quit the football team, uh, it was fun to see him on football games. You know, just across the street, like a like a creepy person, but still, still, Kelly B and the Missouri Tigers are five and two. Um, unfortunately, those two losses have come to Wyoming, who apparently fields an FBS football team. And, and now Vanderbilt, who apparently also hosts an FBS football team. Huh. Well, they did beat South Carolina, who beat Georgia last week. So, just shows you what a mess college football is. Sports, anything can happen. But Kelly B, rough to lose to Wyoming and Vanderbilt. Kelly B stunk it up last game, too. He's looked really good in his victories, but it's tough to go to Missouri and lose to Wyoming after 
being on a national championship team. Eh. Other ones, though, Kelly B, obviously, is our most famous prized transfer. There are others. Hunter Johnson, former five-star recruit out of Indiana, now plays at Northwestern. That's pretty much all I know. And probably pretty much anyone uh, at Northwestern knows either. Uh, Tavian Feaster uh, transferred out of Clemson, where he was the backup running back, to University of South Carolina, where he is now the backup running back. Sounds like maybe it's you, Tavion, unfortunately. Uh, and Josh Belk, who did not leave this past offseason, but the one before, um, signed with Clemson but wanted to transfer before the year actually started, eventually made his way to the University of South Carolina, where he promptly quit and decided to take up his dream profession, which was not making millions of dollars playing football, but truck driving. So uh, a shout-out to all of our Clemson Tigers transfers, no matter how successful you are. All right. I think that's going to be it for me on the Clemson midseason review. So now, for real this time, we're going to change gears and talk about the Zion Williamson injury. As I mentioned, Zion Williamson, newly drafted New Orleans Pelicans forward out of Duke, out of originally Spartanburg Day School here in my hometown, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Zion Williamson is injured per Woj four days ago. Quote, a severe injury has been ruled out for Zion Williamson's right knee, but he is expected to miss a period of weeks to start the regular season. Unfortunately, yesterday, Adrian Wojnarowski followed up with a tweet saying, Sorry, that was a fucking lie. All right, I I added that part. Uh, Zion Williamson, quote, Zion Williamson has surgery today to repair torn meniscus and right knee and expected to miss six to eight weeks, Pels say. So, unfortunately, it appears Zion has suffered a quite severe injury. Um, He's torn his meniscus in his right knee. As was reported, They expect six to eight weeks to be the time frame. But if I was the one guessing, I would put it at more eight to 12 weeks. And even that may be a little optimistic on the short end. We have seen the team already be cautious with Zion, not just after his injury nine minutes into the summer league game in Las Vegas, which after which they pulled him for the remainder of summer league. Um, They have also been cautious just in their comments. David Griffin was quoted in the media saying that Drew Holiday was still the foundational player for the Pelicans even after drafting Zion number one overall. The Pelicans have been cautious as, um, as they have introduced Zion into the organization, into the NBA itself. And he now has a history of knee injuries. It's unfortunate, but now he has a trend. 
Zion, as I mentioned, missed all but nine minutes of a summer league game due to a collision of knees that may be sort of a fake, you know, let's just rest him, let's play easy injury. But I'm not sure. And it's worth mentioning. It's worth considering. Because at this point, I don't know. And there's too much of a trend not to, not, not to consider it. Before that, last year at Duke, his freshman year and only year at Duke, he famously suffered a knee injury after blowing out one of his Nikes in a game, the first matchup of the season versus rival North Carolina. Zion missed three weeks but returned for the ACC tournament. That's not all. According to an SB Nation story, in 2017, Zion missed a few months of AAU for what was termed a deep knee bruise, which I do remember him missing that time. I wasn't aware that it was a deep knee bruise, though. Again, just worrisome. I study data analytics. I'm doing like a master's program for it. One of the key things that they try to get you to incorporate in your work is to identify trends. And I think at this point, Zion has a trend. He, he has a clear trend of knee injuries. This is not a one-time issue. This is something worth tracking. Hopefully, Zion comes back and all is fine. Hopefully, this is a total fluke. Hopefully, this is not indicative of anything in his career. We'll just have to wait and see at this point. Well, that's all I got for you today, y'all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to be back recording. Glad to be back on the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Hope y'all are glad to hear me again. Hopefully you'll be hearing a lot more of me in the future. Uh, I'm going to try to stick to two a week. We'll see, though. Um, I'm probably going to try to put out some more shorter episodes, try to just get more concentrated content out, try to get all the fluff out of... (laughs) Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, I'm going to try to get some of the fluff out of my podcast, though, because there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of rambling. Um... Also going to try to get some more guests on the show. That's always fun. Um, we'll see. We'll we'll do stuff. We'll record episodes and talk about probably sports, maybe even other other things. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, though, y'all. It was a pleasure as always. Um, make sure to tip your waiter, and I'll see y'all on the other side. Peace, y'all.